Right then, welcome or welcome back to the Midnight Podcast, where we have super in-depth, authentic, super transparent, open conversations with an array of different entrepreneurs from many different industries. I really want to make this a podcast known for going super in-depth on loads of topics that other podcasts are scared to speak about. I feel like most stuff out there these days is just super surface level, super vanilla, and doesn't really answer the questions that viewers and listeners want to hear. So that's what we're trying to do. Keep it real and keep it raw. I'm sure you'll get a huge amount of value listening or watching the pod wherever you are. And if you do, don't forget to subscribe, recommend it to a friend, leave a like and a comment and just let us know what you think. And yeah, really hope you enjoy this episode. Right, we're back with episode 63 of the Midnight Pod. We have Oliver Hudson is back from his trip to Mexico. And one of the OG, this sounds fucking weird. I'm taking this shit off. One of the OG <laughs> guests, Jordan Royce Jones, founder of Mobe. One of the UK's fucking prominent, I guess, men's. Is it women's as well now? Yeah, launched women's March uh, last year. Started quite slow, but we're starting to get a bit of traction on the, on the women. And you've gone mad in America, right? Yeah, well, definitely like two years ago, uh, the American market really grew for us. Um the UK is picking up massively now as well. So it's, it's starting to even out a bit more, although US is still about 65% split US. You were episode I'm trying to like think six. Like, I think it was about four. Yeah, you were One early. of the OGs. You were like the first month. And on the night, I'm just going to fucking say it. <laughs> on the night that we did the episode, it was like mid to end of October 2021, is when, for reasons I won't go into, my ex-girlfriend broke up with, I guess technically with me. <laughs> I would say the ball was in my court. I just didn't execute it. <laughs> I didn't execute it cleanly. That's it. And I do regret what I did, but I didn't cheat on it. It was just bad. That was a strange that. night. <laughs> I was two and a half stone heavier back then. It was a dark place. Yeah, I saw someone um, used a picture of you. Or was it Twitter? Someone used a picture of you for an episode. Yes. They pulled, pulled you and you were the, like yeah. the heaviest. Darren, Darren Lee. I think, was it Darren Lee? Yeah, I went on his yeah. pod and then he used a picture of me like 102 kilograms. I was like, come on, bro. Please use a better picture. I look a lot better now. He Come hasn't on. changed it, has he? It's he hasn't changed great. it still. I was like, fuck, you can't be using that. Someone asked him for a professional headshot the other day as well, for some like article, and they tried to pull that because it had been it had been on that podcast. Humble moment. Shocking. But yeah, I guess we're back 16-ish months later. Yeah. I remember, it's funny, when I'd done that podcast, I remember waking up the next day, so I've seen a few vodka lemonades, and I couldn't remember what I'd said on the podcast. <laughs> I oh, just God. scrambled. <laughs> oh, it was heavy. You drank on that one as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Sunk a few. I had the th- I had that fear when we did our first episode. Got to really, the end, yeah. it was like, don't remember the last thirty minutes of that. Is that a real beer? Yeah. Because just for the record, I'm having a lucky saying. I don't even like beer. I just kept seeing this non-alcoholic beer brand, and I thought I'd rip it. It was in the fridge. Where do we want to go with this episode? I think we should go through, well, the last sixteen months. Uh, obviously, you, I've seen you've had loads of mad celebrities. Mm. Where you close? Obviously, we've worked with you a little bit on TikTok and stuff. Yeah, so about a year now, isn't it? Yeah, Just, yeah pretty much. It'll be good to hear it. about everything that's gone f- good, good and bad through that process. I guess. Yeah, um, and trying to think back. How, now, also, how you got those? Whether that was just organic, because that's pretty nuts. Jay yeah. Fox at his birthday party wearing your arms yeah, is like all, mad. all pretty much all the influencers that we've used. Uh, like celebrities have been organic so like jamie fox like followed i was actually on a women on one of the women's shoots and then i see on the move instagram that jamie fox followed and i was thinking oh do i do i message or not and i just thought i'll leave it 
um, just see what happens. And a couple of weeks later, he sent a DM. It's like around the Black Friday time when we were doing all the kind of promotion for the, the build up to that. And he sent a DM saying he wants to get in on the Black Friday hype or something. He's obviously wanted some clothing. Um, sent some bits out to him. And then I think like a few days later, obviously it arrived and he put it on his story. Um, and then like luckily he was, he's shooting a film in London. So he's like been in London loads. Um, so then he... Have you met him? I've not met him, but I've I've FaceTimed him. Really? Yeah, I was, I was in no. the office and, it, well, well, not Face. It was like, you know, Instagram, you can do like the video call. Yeah. It's like Mova, I, I went onto the Instagram and then he he was like just ringing. And I, I was like, oh shit, it, oh, Jamie Foxx <laughs> is ringing. Like, do I, what do I do? And there's obviously a few people in the office and stuff. And I, I missed it. And I thought, oh no, I'm going to I'm gonna miss the opportunity to speak to him. Um, and then I called him back. He didn't answer. And then he called uh, called again like, a couple of minutes later. Um, and he was basically just saying that he he loves his stuff, um, but he wants some more bits sent out because um, he was he was going to Paris the next morning. So he was like, "This must be about three pm." He was like, "Can you just send stuff tonight so then I can take it to Paris?" So I got it on like a uh, warehouse in Leighton Buzzard now. Uh, it's, it's like kind of around like that, not quite close to Milton Keynes. Um, it's about an hour away from where where he's like lives and stays in London. So we got it in a, like an Uber or <laughs> Addison Lee or something to a proper first class yeah. service. <laughs> yeah, and then mm. he. Um, and then yeah, he he wore it the next day on it, like for his birthday. It was like his four, it might even be fifty or say fiftieth or something like it's that. He's older than he looks. Yeah, no, yeah, older than yeah, he looks. Do you know it's like an uplift in traffic and sales when he walks out somewhere in that? Not really. It's I think it's more of a brand positioning thing. It's like the perception of yeah. when someone like that wears it, then when other people might come on onto, onto our Instagram and see that Jamie Foxx has worn it, then it will help like cement the brand as like a real brand. Um because he's he's not actually done a like a promotion as such where he's posted on his Instagram or anything like that. It's, we've not seen it. We didn't. You wouldn't see like an immediate uplift um, in sales on that product. But I would say that the week after we did see that. So obviously we put it on our Instagram. They got loads of views, uh, loads of engagement. Um, that that product was in like the top ten bestsellers that week. So it had some something happened, but it's not like all of a sudden you see a huge like. I think spike there's in a sales. I think there's a level of influencer where that does happen. Yeah. Like there's been I can't remember which one of the Kardashians when she wore that gap, like a brown gap hoodie and it's sold out everywhere. Yeah. Mm. And there'll be some people like some NFL player will get out of the yeah. Super Bowl in some shoes and they just sell out everywhere. But yeah. I feel like he's not quite that that's nah. like proper next level big. Yeah, I do definitely find nowadays like it's not like back in two thousand sixteen, like the whole influencer thing doesn't work in the same way where you're going to no. see huge spikes in sales mm. and things like that. Um, but it's definitely good to have him wearing the stuff. Um, and he still, like, reaches out. Like, he, he like, voice noted me, like, the other day, saying he wants, like, the new tracksuits and stuff. So it's just building that relationship with him, like, but be, being quite, like, not trying to be a fanboy or anything. So obviously, he does know everyone in those kind of circles where he, if he wears it, you never know who's going to then Spreads, it. doesn't it, yeah. He might even get to the point where he does do a shout-out if you... Yeah, exactly. I mean, he kind of said it. He would do something like that. So I'm just waiting to kind of for the right time for that. Um, obviously, that was that was sick. Uh, yeah, then had Damian Lillard, I think his name. He's one of the yeah. top players in, in the NFL. Not Sorry, not NFL, NBA. Um, and again, he was just a customer. Um, so he, someone actually sent me, one of the guys we work with who's a content creator in America actually sent me it and said, is this, is this your stuff? And then I had no idea he wore it and it was just, just random. So that was, that was that. And then we had like, um, I can't forget his name now, a Chelsea player. One of the, one of the top Chelsea players. Mason Mount. Havertz. Uh, like, Havertz maybe. From, I'm a Chelsea fan. Like, I, I think he used to play for Barcelona. I feel really bad. I can't remember his name. Um, I don't even know. 
But my best mate's one of my best mates, a Chelsea fan. He said he's one of the best players. But yeah, I forgot his name. But he, he like just wore it and he's oh, um, Ziyech. No, I'm going to show that I'm not a big football fan. I should know this. I'm a Chelsea fan. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> hold on. maybe he didn't even play for Barcelona. It might have been like he threw me PSG off with that. He threw me off with that. I don't know. P- I like can't remember who it was, but yeah, he he wore it uh, on his Instagram again. He was just a customer, so it was like these things it's just happened quite organically. And we've not really reached out to many people to to, to say wear our stuff. We just what happens is sometimes if we do see someone wearing our stuff that is a customer, we then might reach out to them again and be like, we'll send some bits out to you for free and just just see what happens really. Mm. Um, were they all twin sets? Were, were they, were they, um, were or mostly? The, the, Damien was a twin set. I think Jamie Fox kind of wore a bit of a twin. He like, wore like a long sleeve polo and like a smart pair of trousers. Um, and then the Chelsea player was just like a random, random white stuff. t-shirt that we, we had. Nice. But yeah. Um, but yeah, that's been super cool. But yeah, in the last 16 months or so, we've just been kind of building out the team a bit. I think probably when the, when the last time we spoke, there probably was only... It's quite early on in the journey of me building a team. I think we only had about maybe four people, five people at that point. Um, mm. So yeah, just spent like the last year and a half just trying to bring people in that can help build the brand where I'm in areas that I'm not good at. So I've always felt that I lacked being organised and analytical and understanding that kind of stuff. So I've been trying to bring people in who are a bit better at that than me. Um, and trying to find people who have been in bigger companies who have been taught things and understand like some systems and stuff like when I first my first employee I didn't even have anything like there was no like folders of things and stuff like that of like mm. the whole work environment was just a mess I've had people who at least can yeah, I'm still like that. In, a, in, a, in a right way um yeah. yeah it's still a work in progress I think 2021 compared to 2022 like how how big was 22 compared uh, to 21 21 um, I think we grew, we grew about, well, 22 we done seven and a half million and 2021, I think it was five. Uh, but then the year before we had done a million. So it was, we grew massively from 20 to 21 and then it's obviously still growing, but it's obviously slowed down on, on that year, year from 22. Well, I was going to ask numbers, but you gave numbers. So that's what the viewers want. Yeah, they're the numbers. It's harder to do 150% growth on five mil than it is yeah, on, like, yeah. yeah. So how much bigger do you think 23 will be 22? Or do you think it's a, di- a more difficult market now? Which a lot of brand owners are saying. We've, we've like, forecasted uh, like a 30, 36% uplift. So we want to do just over 10. Um, but yeah, we've definitely found it. It's definitely been difficult. I think it's understanding the the way the market is and there's lots of obviously external factors like we're definitely in certain areas not have the traction we wanted mm. um but i think i think this year in particular whereas in previous years because the growth was quick but obviously it was smaller numbers so you can say oh, i'll grow 500 percent and stuff like that mm. maybe i was a bit arrogant and thinking i can grow this business to like whatever like huge numbers in a really quick period of time but i think this yeah. year i want to rather than chase growth in, in revenue, uh, we were just trying to get more efficient in some of the things uh, yeah. in, on the bottom to improve the bottom line. So, um, it, all kinds of stuff like the shipping. Like we've been working hard to find like do deals to, to get the best shipping like America, which we we'll spend a lot of money on, on that. Um, just really understanding the numbers and and trying to get that as safe as possible, and also not over forecast where we have loads too much stock where then we could that when we then are too much money is tied up into cash. So I think that's one of the biggest things this year. Uh, yeah. Just playing a bit safe, not taking 
too many risks, I think, especially when we not know, don't know how the year's going to go with like the well, all the kind of stuff about cost of living and all that, all that bullshit. That's the general vibe I'm getting from a lot of, yeah, well, mm. uh, investors that I have now, investors that I don't have that I speak to, yeah. other brand owners. So yeah. It's kind of like 2023 is like a, if you can just do the same as last year, that would be a big win. I think you should always forecast some growth. Yeah. And I think you should always set like... Or some improvements. Like two or three times, like you should have like an ambitious forecast and yeah. like we're going to be ecstatic if we reach that. And then like a mm -hmm. forecast where we're like, this is what we should hit. Yeah. And then like a reserved forecast of like a tiny bit of growth. That's it. Like from our cross section, yeah, it depends on your position in the market. Like some people have, like Tev's grown really well because it's a product that's a cheap version of an yeah. expensive, like the Essence Fall. It's like a cheap alternative yeah, yeah. to something that's a luxury good. So I'm like, right now to Connor, I'm like, we should that's be the best time to go. Mm. We should be going, everyone else is pulling back. We should just go as hard as we can right now. Yeah, yeah. And like make slightly less margin at the front, but like auctions are getting cheaper, so we should just spend. But then like we've got a lot of brands agency-wise that are, it's the unknown. That's like true. It's not even like... I'm an it's <laughs> <laughs> messaging right now. It's, Fucking spend more, can It's like it's not even like it's just the unknown. Like you even even if it's like because some brands, some brands we work with where we've expect them to drop, they don't, and then some brands that we expect them to just continue to fly, they drop off. It's like yeah. so so hard to predict a market of that size. Yeah, definitely, I, I definitely still think that it is still possible to like. Like, like as you know you can have one good ad and all of a sudden things can yeah. go mad so I think it's just like yeah keep trying to try new things and then although maybe one one month you might think oh we could have done better then there might be something that just like clicks and then it starts to scale like especially like we done really well last summer with a couple of ads and it just, just really done well and as if, if, if we had that throughout the whole year we could have probably done a lot better it's it's just I think yeah it's a mixture of like plugging all the right things in at once. Yeah. Loads of people we work with haven't built the content data feedback systems to be big enough, and I think that's why we were working with Charlie. Yeah. You brought in on the last yeah. few weeks, like just getting that set up because if we get that set up, it, that does half the most of the work for you. Yeah, definitely. That's where you get the leverage. You don't get the leverage out of the media buying that we do, yeah. but media buyers are now more like creative strategists and yeah. data and feedback loops and landing page it's not just like oh we're going to target someone better or we're going to yeah. run a lot of cost caps and see if that works yeah yeah exactly. um what you said about bottom line is definitely true like too many people chase being like busy fools yeah. like oh, i'm gonna make yeah I've 10 mil in that I'm gonna make 10 mil and yeah i'm gonna yeah. sell 10 mil and make one mil profit or sell five mil and make one mil profit i'd rather do the five mil yeah. just because it's like well Personally, I just rather would rather do the lower number. It's less stress. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know what? Sometimes your story scares me, and I'm like, <laughs> I can't, I can't do that myself. So that's why it still scares me. Yeah. So I think it's that. There's an, there's other ones like you know, like Hera, the Hera story and stuff like. Yeah. That, so yours and the, and the Hera story. Well, do you know what though? Me. The one thing I've thought about. I mean, I was on a Frankie Lee's pod the, two nights ago, and he fucking brought back loads of PTSD because he went deeper <laughs> than we've ever gone on that story. I was like, for fuck's sake. But, I, I mean, yeah, like. The fundamental flaw in that business model, it was basically dropshipping. We were making yeah. shit to order. Yeah, you didn't build ops around it. That would never have happened it. to Midnight City, or if I was running Harrow London, no offence, Ash, he's coming on the pod next week. I don't know what happened with that, but you get the point. Like, it was a major problem, but that couldn't happen with my current business. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like, it was complex as well. Yeah. And it, you, didn't just, just, you just didn't hire, and you didn't have people around you. Yeah. Whereas there's people, you've got a network of people around. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm also so scared of that. that happening again. So from day one, I've put things in place that 
that can't happen again. But I think that's the problem with being like an entrepreneur and like just thinking I learned you the can hard take way. over take over the world. Like for me, like in like before thinking oh, I'm gonna grow hundred percent year on year, like every single year, and then if we were to buy a stock for like to grow the, this year hundred percent, it would be would have all our mm. money be in, in stocks. It's that kind of thing where you can you can have a, a growing business, but if you've not done the right things in the business, you could still fuck up. So it's that it's just getting the balance right, I think. So to not over leverage things yeah. to the point where yeah, you you could you're kind of taking too many risks. I think I think there's an element of that financially, but and personally, like you become a slave to it if you try and build it without putting that in place. Yeah. Like you're just like there all day, every day. Either either physically or I'm a slave right now. Or just stressing about it. Even like you might not be sat at your computer, but it's just in the back of your mind, like Yeah. This is stressful. Like, I should be doing I, I should weird, be sat like, here doing this anxiety landing page dreams. right now. Like yeah, I've had that before, yeah. Definitely. I had a dream last night about, I was on an A380 Emirates plane and it was doing like front flips and shit and I woke up <laughs> thinking, what the fuck is going on? I'm too stressed. <laughs> I don't know what being not stressed feels like. I haven't yeah, known yeah. that for years. Yeah. But I think you just live, like for me, I'm immune to now it. Now I don't like, I, tr- I don't really, even, even though I'm always stressed, I'm not like too stressed or not stressed. It's just almost like it's always there. Like I, it just, it's just kind of underlying crippling anxiety yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that most of the people would find just yeah. horrendous yeah yeah how about you how did 2021 compare to 2022 at saw with us slash for you agency empire <laughs> for you started in 2021 we've now got 22 people so that's like pretty fast growth what the fuck is this? Space Goods, spacegoods.com, Rainbow Dust version one, my newest entrepreneurial econ brand venture. I spent six months in the trenches building this shit from scratch. We launched six weeks ago. What's it all about? The next generation wellness brand with a long-term vision to essentially consumerize the pending psychedelic consumer goods market, which might sound absolutely ridiculous. We're not quite there yet. The market's massively illegal. But what is this? Rainbow Dust version one is an all-in-one mushroom and adaptogenic blend designed to unlock your supernatural self. Essentially, experience a sharper focus, sustained energy, zen-like calm throughout the day. It's an all-in-one powder. Tastes like fucking hot chocolate. Tastes delicious. Works great. Looks great. Feels amazing. Essentially, the broader concept here was to legally imitate a psychedelic microdose and, like I said, experience those symptoms. You can mix it with anything, brownies, bake brownies with it, mix it with your coffee, have it without coffee, replace your coffee, put it into a protein shake. It's super fucking versatile. It tastes great. It replaced the stack of supplements I was previously taking, but you need to try this shit. It would definitely change the way you work, get you into that deep workflow. I obviously think that myself, plenty of a thousand plus first customers think the exact same shit. It's not just a pretty packaging, it actually works really fucking well. Keto, vegan, all that good shit. Trust me, you need to try it for yourself. Let's scale the shit to the moon. Spacegoods.com. Get on your Rainbow Dust subscription and see how you fucking feel. Let's do it for the boys. Spacegoods.com. Wait, so just to clarify... Because it was fucking confusing me. I have like 17 agencies. Two, mate. For you is TikTok ads and content. TikTok ads, content, and we're probably going to... Saw with us is everything it. else. Yeah. Basically Facebook yeah. ads. My bookkeeper's like, gets so confused as well. She's like, there's, there's an invoice from this one and there's an invoice from this one. Like, Are they the same company or not? And I'm like, yeah, they're the same. Co- well, you no, they're like, different companies. They're different, they're different, they're different like completely different vehicles. You're not working right. at, you're not, you work at the same office or how, how does it work? One's fully remote and one's oh, fully right. in person, which is also quite And it's you and Joe at Saw, and it's you, Joe, and Lucas at For You. And Liam, yeah. And Liam. Four of us, yeah. Because we so, set up so for you. like, even split? Yeah. No, slightly slightly uneven for For You. It was Liam wasn't in before, was he? No. He got oh, us on TikTok nice he, he seems quite, I think from that one creative 
workshop we're done, we're done with it. I think it seems pretty switched on, doesn't it? It's just, yeah, we've all got the right seats. Like, yeah. Joe does sales. I do, like, marketing and, like, media buying. Lucas does, and Liam do, like, creative. And then Liam's really good at team management and he really deep into the platform, like, really understands, like, always on top of trends, like, and you have to be for that platform. It's not like Facebook. It moves so fast. And like that, just again, that's just means that like we can just focus on what we need to focus on, and it works pretty well. How does he understand it? Is he is he like just on the platform as a consumer all the time? Is he like reading up on things or a bit of that? Yeah, we get we get quite a lot. Of, you get a lot of insight reports from TikTok. They're so much better than Facebook for like yeah. support in every area. Mm. Like it's ridiculous. It's a shame I can't make it work. You're still running my TikTok ads. I'm just You're doing getting started. Well, I was spending fifty one pound a day for a month. <laughs> so I was ill for ages. <laughs> I just I just haven't turned it off. Um, so it's doing it's something. Work, it's, doing, it's working actually. I just need to get in there. I need to have a call with whoever's doing your content. You should scale down your content output massively. Down, yeah. Why? Because I've got in that Google Drive folder, and so much of it's rubbish. So you could just make like. I feel like with your brand though, like it's 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 quite visual, and you probably should be doing really well on TikTok. Yeah, definitely. That's what I mean. I should, sorry, rubbish was the wrong word. Wasn't isn't structured to work. Well, yeah. So I mean, just, it's we can get onto the content system because yeah. I mean, I don't even look at it. Lucy manages it, but it works for Facebook. I think that's what they're telling me. But it could work better. Like, oh yeah, thing, no. Like, it, well, we need more TikToky stuff, which is what I was saying to Jordan before. Yeah, I'm going hard on like organic content. We're doing like shoots like basically every day. Yeah. And just, Zara, who I just hired, is doing it all. You just so need if to you're listening. I think so I can go. Yeah. I feel like if TikTok, you know how everyone said Facebook golden era was like 2014, where people could grow massive. I feel like, yeah. if you, like it's an opportunity for people now to do the same on TikTok, isn't it? Yeah. It's still in an early part of it. So, uh, like, yeah, how long it's been going around for. And if you make the most of it now, then you can only be winning in, in the long term. It just can't support the same amount of spend. Like, it caps out, caps out way lower mm. than Facebook because its algorithm's not as mature. And it requires, it just chews content. That's the problem. And then your content cost gets so high. Yeah. Then you can hack it down. It's like, it's, I don't think it's as direct. I think it's more brand I'm as taking well. Notes. A little bit higher brand. Like, it's a little bit higher in the funnel. So, like, Facebook's yeah. so direct response and people are, like, there to buy. I think TikTok is a little bit more, like, of a middle ground between, like, brand and direct mm. response. So it's not quite as efficient, but it still works. Yeah. I th- also think it's understanding, like, what part TikTok plays, isn't it? Because yeah. especially our first month we we done last year, it was, like, although maybe the tracking isn't saying it's doing doing much actually when you when you when you add it into the mix and then you, you see how it's performing like, like our mer went down massively that, f- that first Got like 10 percent yeah. in a month yeah it's just so yeah. top of funnel that's what i mean like it might not track it's not going to track it like 10 ROAS. yeah and we a lot of what we have to do is expectation alignment some brands it does some brands it can like match the ROAS of facebook it'll get like five it's got to look at blended in it yeah yeah i guess with a new yeah. platform though it's kind of hard to spend way more if you don't see that yeah, that's the thing. You've got to be aligned around expectations <laughs> and almost just be like, and 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 also like what your goals for that platform are as a business. Like, mm. depending on what you're selling, if you're selling for something at three hundred quid, you're not going to get attributed very well, very well on TikTok. Really. I've got a question for you. I know it's your you're the fucking guest, but roundtable. Because <laughs> I was saying this, I always basically think you're a pussy if you're an agency, not a brand. I still think that basically. <laughs> Hear me out. You know, you, you've got a good agency, but I'm talking about like cunts that agency and it's literally them in their bedroom mm. their mum's house because they bought a certain course of a certain youtuber um do you think it's is there any risk in running an agency because i would say like 
brand take more balls because if you buy a stock you don't sell you're fucked whereas with an agency you put a margin on a service and you're guaranteed to be profitable basically it's no no not like really. is, what do you think the biggest risk is growing an agency Bitch, like yeah. is it even possible to go Bit, bankrupt with an agency yeah obviously you, you get econ stock wrong it can mm. quite easily happen biggest risk for me is like i really like f- i guess it changes at each scale like if you're just starting like you could make you could i think if you're starting you could make you get 10k a month as one person and just be really good at one service and you can just chill like if that's mm. what you want to do in life once you get to like f- we've got 60 s- nearly 60 team members across two businesses it's pretty like it's a lot of people. And also that costs a lot of money every month to pay those people. And there's like Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts to that. Also you have to develop them as individuals. Like there's like there's a, people will leave, like it's quite a stepping stone. So there's risk. Mm. There's also undervalued like brand risk. Like if we just don't give people good service, people won't work with us. Like word travels very fast in the sort of industry. And there's obviously been mm. plenty of cases where that has happened, like for multiple reasons. You know, you can't smash it out of the park for everybody um there's also stages where they like you're hiring some stuff in-house and like a lot of brands do that they'll hire us out over time it's a lot less forecastable because if you think about how many yeah, data true. points you've got like if you're doing 2,000 sales a day you're doing 60,000 sales a month we're working with like 60 clients mm. so it's much easier to forecast your demand over a year than it is for us especially with the way we acquire business like it's so much like like it's more based on like getting in front of the person at the right time then making a decision over like a three-month period so i think it's it's less risky at the start i think yeah. it's equally as risky the further you get in although i guess the risk of going truly bankrupt is probably lower because i just you could just scale down your staff but yeah. like that would be grim yeah. <laughs> i want to just sit on a phone call and sack people but yeah, yeah, yeah. Sense. I've seen I've seen some agencies go bust. I think, but maybe that's stretch my legs. Don't understand the numbers, probably maybe not understanding what their actual costs are. And yeah, we hired a CFO last like middle of last year. Off the back of when we went to Marbella, I was asked. Adam, I'm onboarding the same one tomorrow. Yeah, is that, is that um, Seamus? Not full time. Seamus? Like, uh, no, fractional. Yeah, I asked. I went um, when we went to Marbella. I just asked Adam Reed. I was like, "What's the best business decision you made last year?" And he was like, "Hired a fractional CFO." I was yeah. like, I'm gonna do that. Is it the same person? Uh, no, different guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had one from the start with Space Goods, which I didn't have in the past. That's been a game changer. But we're editing the team. Editing. <laughs> we're. <laughs> well, we just yeah. Just changing the hook. Yeah. <laughs> just I, I making a few adjustments. A year and a half ago, I think. Um, about the time I think went on the last podcast, because I thought I didn't have a clue what was going in and out. Neither did I. Uh, and I thought this is the biggest risk to my business if I carry on. And again, knowing your story as well, thinking, <laughs> fuck, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't get into that. I can't n- not know where I am as a business. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's easy to do. Like I'm not. I didn't go to do A levels and do maths and stuff. So you, like, you can't expect us to understand. Oh, we, all, all you need is like the P and L every month put in front of you, so you can see the numbers in black and white. You don't want to be doing all the yeah crappy stuff to get to that. Yeah, I think it's more than that though as well, Nick. Because like, I used to have like management accounts, even when shit went wrong. But it was never. It's about looking around corners. Yeah. Because like, you could be a fucking really profitable brand. Yeah. And still have cash problems, which yeah, no one talks about. Because yeah, you buy too yeah. much stock, you don't think about a VAT liability, whatever it is. Mm. I was running it off just cash in the bank. Like if yeah, cash exactly. in the bank was going up, I was like, we're chilling. But that, but that's then, not always the way. Risky, I think what changed for me when we brought them in is, is we went from like passive to 
like being like act like actively forecasting and looking forward. Right, mm. it, I feel like we were making like passive decisions. We were like, oh, uh, we've not got any capacity. We should probably hire someone. But then it takes two months to hire and train someone good. Yeah. So it's like really slowed us down. Yeah. Yours is probably a bit different because you've got so much volume going in and out of your accounts probably. Yeah. Like it's, it's your way higher transaction volume and stuff. Quick one, fellas. You probably heard a few months ago I dropped an e-com course, a very fucking guru of me, but it's not that. I promise you, zero to one, how to start a brand from scratch with no budget, some budget, a bit of budget, take your idea from a bedroom to reality to potentially seven, eight figures in sales like I've done a few times based on my seven years of experience in the trenches and my current experience building my current brand, Space Goods. It's no bullshit, no frills. We've had like 75 people go through so far. Not a single person has asked for a refund. Plenty of people have actually built some seriously impressive shit. Covers every aspect of the business, not just the front end stuff like most gurus on YouTube and Twitter are talking about, not just product, market and all that shit, but the real shit, the logistics, the back end, the supply chain, the customer service, the finances as well. This covers the whole spectrum, every part, 12 hours of video. If you're interested in scaling a brand, zero to one, actually turning our idea finally into a reality, then click the link below, go check out Learn Real Commerce course and let me know what you think. I'd be glad to have you in there. Let's fucking go. I've got a really important question. You're running a 10 million pound business. Why have you got a Gucci watch? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I just, I've never been into what I've never I only say into. that because you've got more money than I have, and I've got a lot nicer watches than you have. I've never I've never thought about buying a watch. And I think That's probably why you've got more money than I have. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just, it's so so have you. Everyone has devices. I like one, but I just think, like, what's the point? Turn really? that into getting, a clip. That was a good saying. Uh, get it stolen in somewhere, get robbed. I think, what's the point? I don't yeah. really interest in me either. I feel like everybody has advice. Like, cars and watches are just not asked. Yeah. See, you I might... think I just spend money on uh, clothes. Yeah, fair. And, fair. and food. And night out. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely got, got bigger on nice food. Yeah, I love going for nice meals. Yeah, yeah. Especially Probably London. my biggest expense yeah. now, other than just standard shit. It's just so many nice restaurants here, isn't there? Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah, it's ridiculous how expensive we can get as well. Like 500 quid for, for a meal. Yeah. Going with a girl or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's expensive. You got a girlfriend <laughs> now. Hobby, huh? You got a girlfriend? No, I'm, I'm seeing someone. Because I know you did at the time. Did you? Maybe you didn't. Uh, no, no, I was. I when I you like I dating your employee? No, that was. No. That Sounds was way more like you. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, made, you made it sound a lot worse than it, than it was. I, w- I had a, had a long term girlfriend that was. That still works for me. That, w- that we split up probably a year and a half. Oh, that was it, yeah. So yeah, you, still, you still broke up, you didn't get back? No, I never went back there as soon as we split up. Um, does that work, uh, being an employee after that? Does it make, we make it work. Like we're, we're very uh, civil, like we're not, there's no bad blood there. Um, she, she She's the one who designs all women's stuff. Um, but yeah, it's obviously it's not an ideal situation, but it is what it is. You got a bird. Yeah. A new one? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. A new one. <laughs> That's, London. That's London for you. Do you it? think that has had a net positive effect on your business? I mean, oh, it's very recent, mate. We're getting emotional way too soon. We're only 33 minutes in. I think if it's the right person, yeah. I think if yeah, right I agree. Person, yeah. I agree. If it's the wrong person, no. I'm sure Im- like, Iman's been through this. It's yeah. like, it's net. You should either, you either like having someone who's supportive. For the right person, it's better, but if they're not, it's better to have no one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just be a dog. But then again, I, I feel like all celibate being being yeah, a dog. Yeah, all celibate. Celibate's yeah, better, definitely. Better. I feel like. Being but a then dog. you break down and realise that you haven't touched a female in four months because you've been in the trenches. 
That's not me. That's just hypothetically. What are you going to say? I feel like being a dog is not is not a good thing either because then you you end up being on a date Thursday night. Yeah, and you Friday. drink. Yeah, that's why I'm trying non non alcoholic beer, which has convinced me that I'm actually tipsy, but it's <laughs> entirely placebo. Because I feel like yeah, when you when you when you when you've had a few drinks, the, the game is is just different. Like you can you can say you say things you probably wouldn't say sober, get away. With, I don't know. I feel like I just flow when I when I've had a few. I drinks. went on a date the other week for the first time in a while. To be fair. And I just got smashed. <laughs> like it was fun. It's, it's but I, 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 I do have a habit of that. If I go on a first date, I just go too far. I do that. But then the next day, I just, the whole day was gone. Didn't get anything done. And I thought, for fuck's sake. Exactly. That's why I feel like. It wasn't I've, worth it. I've just stopped. I feel like I've, I've, I've you know, been seeing one girl for, for like a month. So I think that, that's a bit better. It's like when I first moved to London, I think I was doing like three a week. <laughs> Yeah, my housemates on my housemates on that at the moment. The guy called Josh is on Raya. He's just like, pff, it's on one. Is it? How yeah. do you get accepted onto that? I'm, I'm sorry. I've late. never been accepted onto that. Don't <laughs> you? He got he got accepted. He knows um ones that work in Tesco on, on that. <laughs> he knows he's, he used to work for like he knows like I mean, Josh I, Denzel. I haven't tried for like four yeah. years, but I've never been on it. I think you got a, got a link up, but yeah, it's just on one <laughs> on a tear now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not good for business. I don't think. There's seasons for that, and I'm just not in that season. <laughs> I actually got pitched on a fucking fully managed online dating service, and I thought it was so cringe, but then a bit of me thought it was quite smart. Is that the one where they VA it and book it into your calendar for Yeah, I've heard about yeah. this. Yeah. Quite smart. It just, it's so cringe. It's like operationalized. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, dating. they would just deliver you a date with your type. That's like the KPI. Yeah. You don't have to do any of the messaging. The VA is what they're talking on your behalf. But that's Someone the problem. What if service. they say something weird? Well, you do, then they split test as well. Yeah, <laughs> Google optimizing that account. It's like you're. Over, it's so mad. I've I've seen. I've heard people who've used that as well. Like yeah, they, you give them like, and they, then so you give them like a calendar, like you would for work, and the, like a calendar link, so they can book it in themselves. And you just have open slots, however many nights a week, and then they just like. Um, they know, obviously they're on board you're like they wouldn't then know a bit about you then they just message people and then you apparently just get like a document brief about the yeah. person <laughs> booked into your calendar it's like work. a podcast guest but it's a, a girl the guy I spoke to said it was working and they sh- he, had, he had one for like every night for like two weeks and that's a bit like, intense that's mad I'd be limiting that to once a week thirsty man mate that would cost <laughs> a fortune <laughs> that's what I thought it's like two like a couple hundred quid a night that's expensive um, bringing it back for a second What's been the most important person you've hired? Um, you think I since would, well ever? I would say um, the, the the merchandiser who was actually employee number two, um, and that was that's someone who's just forecasting stock. Um, yeah, trying to for yeah forecast when we're going to run out of stock, when we need more stock, um, putting together like the budgets for for the collections and stuff. For me, that was super important job because in 2020, I think we were selling out of stuff a lot, and we just the rev the revenue was just peaks and troughs because we were having lot big periods of not having the right stock in because I was the one trying to forecast and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, but bringing her on, it's also meant that yeah, the months more consistent. Because obviously, as well, if you run out of stock, it has such a big knock on effect to other parts of the business because then you have to you might become less efficient in your in your ad spend, and and so then actually. Yeah, those moments like your yeah, your bottom line could be really affected. So I think just having the right bits in at the right time has been really important. Um, how many how many SKUs do you have now? Oh, a lot. Um, it's got to be like 
300 at least, right? Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I think I kind of think we need to. One of the things I think this this year is to tighten it up a bit more. To be honest, I think there's too many. I think um, some of the products just don't sell as well as they as they could do. And I think it's just because our, our product range is just too wide. Um, eighty twenty. I think it put eighty yeah, twenty. I was about to say so that. much in life. Yeah. Mm. Like team, usually like twenty percent of people produce eighty percent of the outcome. Definitely. Stock, like so many, especially high skew. Like we work with quite a few clothing brands, and you, they'll usually sell more than that twenty percent. But it, the twenty percent is what will pull the person in, and then yeah. they'll end up buying around that, or they'll come mm. back and buy other stuff. Definitely. Then um, it makes all your money. Yeah, obviously, if you see like the what sells for us is it's the same type of products over and over again. It's like well, we should just channel all our focus on those type of things. Um, and really, like last summer, where we, we had some really good months, um, I think really that it must have the, the the driver of the revenue was about what 10, 10 stars, weren't it? Yeah, but then you because you are no, I think you're really really known for that. Like they're yeah. almost like you look at them, and if you're into fashion, like you know that's your brand, which is a really good place to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I then think you can just own it. I'm excited about this summer. We've got <coughs> um, a really good range. We've learned from what from last summer what worked well and just built on that. Um, similar styles like new dif- new fabrics but in like a similar way to last year some a few new fits we definitely went through a big learning curve last year where we done some collections which probably wasn't quite aligned to what the our brand was um and just didn't do as well as it should have done um so i think that now we've got really good focus of where we need to go as a brand um and like just build on on what our customers actually really love and what they came to like buy from us in the first place I think what a lot of people from the outside won't notice as well is how hard, like that stock management. So like having cash sat in stock that's not selling is like the most jarring thing. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. for any brand, like we've had it, we have I've had it, seen it for loads. It's like it's you so much better to sell out if you're not like confident on it. Yeah, you definitely. don't have that issue anymore. Yeah, but I don't. To be fair, that was very intentional. But yeah, yeah, yeah. even now, to be fair, I've got loads of new like. I mean, it, kind of accessories are different because they're so fucking cheap but like mm. I've got like five new nutritional products in the works but I'm already thinking hmm, just sell am I getting over excited 50 MOQ like the smallest possible MOQ with the new supplier yeah, I think yeah. yeah I think that's the best way to go so that, that's what I'm planning on doing which is why I went to that new supplier because we can do mad low MOQs yeah he's great so yeah getting there on like three new ones but yeah. I don't want to go too complicated with it like even flavors and shit. Why do a vanilla when ninety percent of people that would have bought vanilla would just buy chocolate? Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? It's not worth the extra hassle at this point. I feel like you could do a cold and a hot. That's my like my only pain point with with, with space goods. Right in the morning, sometimes I just don't want to drink chocolate at like six a.m. Yeah, people do say that. I mean, I, I mix mine with coffee because I'm mad, <laughs> and I have the real just stuff dancing. as well. But yeah, I've got yeah. a cold drink coming and also a cold canned version of rainbow dust yeah that's cool as that's, well that's a good idea do you know what actually when you when you um iced dust story saying that um like the can do you, mm. know, I just, do you know what i and i've actually funny enough the next day i then went into shop and i and i saw have you seen the rubicon bottle yeah and i thought fuck it actually looks kind of quite quite similar does it wait hold on it's like a so can it was like it was like it's like a gradient in it all the way across. Like, i've actually never seen it until is it can yeah it was a can hold on don't tell me I'm not the only one doing gradients. <laughs> Have you seen it? I haven't seen. Ru- I've, I've seen his can, but not Rubicon. Oh, this the raw energy. Let's have a look. 
Yeah, is that? Oh, it looks shit compared to mine. It, do, it do, yeah, it's not. It doesn't look great. I mean, yours looks sick, but I just thought I'd actually never seen anyone do gradient, and then then it was like almost like coincidence. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you'll get. I think you'll pop in retail for that. Literally, that like yeah. people will just be like, "What is this?" And it it will taste amazing. It's an iced rainbow dust. Yeah, but that's all you need to get them. To, you need to get the intrigue, which you get from the packaging, mm. and then you need to give them the taste on the first try, and then they're gonna come back and buy from you over and over again. So yeah. you're, you're kind of um, goal to be in all the all the stores like Asda's and Tesco and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's where I think eventually seri- serious cash really. I spoke to some big investors recently, and they're not investing, but they <laughs> they said the only way to get to like a hundred mil rev with a beverage brand slash supplement is like retail, mm. like ready yeah. ready to drink specifically. Yeah, I look at Huel. Yeah, most of their money apparently I don't know comes from the ready to drink, not from the powders. Do you do much? It's just well, f- just touch. I think it's just generally so much more forecastable. Obviously, what to yeah. do? Like, do you do much retail? As in, like, do they just like how do you? Like, I don't actually know the process for fashion. Like for something like them, it's well, obviously it's yeah. We well did. Simple. We used to do a lot of retail, and we I stepped totally away from it in two thousand and twenty, and a couple of reasons. So we used to work the ASOS. Uh, we was in stores like Foot Asylum, um, but. I actually found it being a bit more riskier than than direct consumer because you were very much uh, like your destiny was in the hands of like a retailer. So yeah. what happened is is you'd, you'd you'd create a collection, you'd then you'd then have a meeting with someone like ASOS. Uh, you'd have a buyer on their team who would pick out the styles they like, um, and then they would go away and kind of give you a bit of an order. Um, normally, b- about fifty to hundred grand time. But then obviously then you've got when they go make the stuff, they give you a month delivery window if you're late because factories yeah. get slow, you get cancelled. So I, I remember the last order we had, we had an order cancelled and it was, it was 100 grand. To I've to seen us. those kind of horror stories where they yeah. just drop it on you. Yeah. Because so it's, it's the buyer going out on a limb really, isn't it? Like it's like they put their reputation on bringing you into that business. Yeah. And it's very like, it's down to the, like if it's down to the personal preference as well of the buyer, if they yeah. like it or not. And, yeah, we just, I just found it a bit, bit um, quite difficult, and especially at the time as well, with a brand like mine, in fashion, the retailers want a nice... Well, actually, no, it's different. Someone like ASOS, which is online only, they're all about going as wide as they can on SKUs, so they to order maybe 30 styles, but they might only order 200 per style, Yeah, and obviously they're buying a, at a wholesale cost as well. So actually, when you start to break down each style and how much you're making on the, on each one, it's, it's not a lot. Um, there's a, a big store like Foot Asylum who have maybe like 50 stores um, and only have a set amount of floor space. They go a lot tighter on the amount of styles. They might order eight. Higher skew. They're ordering a thousand yeah. a, a style. Um, Makes sense. So it's a bit more profitable. But yeah, I didn't I didn't like it. I w- we, d- we stopped working with Foot Asylum because they absolutely ripped off our brand as well. Because they really? actually, if you go into that store, most of the brands mm. in there are own brands. So they make them all in-house. But they, they what they'll do is they bring a brand in that they like the look of or is doing well test the water using their products and then they'll then rip it off and make their own yeah. work and make more margin. So it's a bit <laughs> bit tricky. And also this day and age with fashion, there's not actually that many big players in the market who can really generate loads and loads of revenue. It's not like there's, there's a big store like Tesco. You've it's got like JD Sports, which is not really aligned to our brand. You've obviously got Foot Asylum. You've got, we got End, but that's again, again probably not small. really. So all the big brands like End, Selfridges, Harrods, they go very small on the amount they order anyway, and it's, it's until they've got proof of concept yeah. and they'll rip it, like represent it and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So uh, 
Yeah, so. it's, a, it's quite a difficult thing for fashion. Also, a few years, well, maybe like 10 years ago, there'd be loads and loads of independent stores, but they've all disappeared now. So there's not that many avenues you can go down. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you've got brands like Zalando you could go into, but I've just tried to not focus on, on the on the retail side of things. Um, and also, as well, you need, I feel like you need a lot of, there's a lot of admin that goes around that kind of stuff, like getting it compliant to go into their warehouse, um, even invoicing, mm. like all the way they want the invoicing done. It's like a team in itself, isn't it? Really, you're probably team. at your scale, especially. Yeah, exactly. So obviously, when I was originally doing it, I was kind of, I was, I think the team was like two or three people. Uh, sometimes well, when we first started working there, it was just me, and it was just, I found it was just so time-consuming, and it just, I weren't getting the kind of, the reward for it. And the other interesting thing is, you don't being on a brand like ASOS, you think that the exposure of millions and millions of people, like seeing the, the brand, that you'd see a big impact on your store, but. Just none at Nothing. all. No, 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 at all. That's interesting. I always think like where you, or I think for you especially, where you put yourself is massive for perce- the perception thing about Jamie Foxx is like the other side of that. Yeah. Because mm. you, you you give all the keys to ASOS if they want to run a sixty percent sale on your products, they just do it, don't they? Yeah. Don't come and don't come and ask you to do it first. Yeah, and that's what we kind of we had that issue. Like it'd constantly be doing like sales every week, do twenty percent off, fifty percent off, and it's just. Not really great, and then they'd obviously have all your Google shopping running against your brand names. Then people yeah. just you pay you, any every marketing that you do, and people so many people obviously type in the brand name onto Google rather than click a link. You're just sending them to their. You're pay, basically paying for their marketing, really. Yeah. Aren't you? So definitely, I think for you it's very different. Obviously, yours is very very different. Yours is like get people to try, and then hopefully. Well, I just look at brands like Trip CBD, and there's not a fucking shop you can go into that they're not in there, yeah, and they're, they're like four years old. I, I don't know what numbers they're doing, but I doubt they're doing much online compared to, de- like, retail. I have no clue, though. But they raised, like, 30 million quid. It won't be, I don't think. Like just the, the, buying a con- like buying a drink beverage online is pretty weird. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> powders work. Yeah, yeah, something like that, supplements, powders. Yeah, like, like but then... Buying a canned drink, mm. like, but you're not going to go on order Coke online, are you? It's a bit weird. Yeah, like, that's true. Whereas I don't like do any, cl- I barely do any clothes shopping in high street shops ever. Do it all online. Pretty much, yeah. I don't know about yeah. you two. Like, I very rarely go into town and be like, oh, I'm gonna go. Maybe in London. Literally never anymore. Different. I just, I, I personally. I feel like I'm like getting pissed on this. <laughs> this might be the life hack. You're not actually <laughs> drinking anything. <laughs> I have a few more of these boys. <laughs> I like going into like Selfridges more for experience and yeah. seeing the product and stuff. Um, but like going to like Zara or something, I wouldn't wouldn't do that. No. Um, I'd do the same I'd go to End but I'm not going to go yeah. to fucking H&M in town yeah. like, never um, I think a lot of people move probably move that way or d- definitely your target market yeah definitely so mm. is there any brand you look at or just well yeah brand and you like that's where I want to be in three five years as, as few, or, or have yeah. you kind of because I mean I'm not that into fashion you probably fucking tell yeah. I wear the same shit all the time but you definitely you've gone less like spice boy-esque which you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. like almost i guess like six silk jim king it was never that but a lot of brands for i think used to fall into that category like yeah. couture club yeah, yeah. fresh couture yeah i think yeah. couture something else yeah a few of those through our door yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that market i could be wrong but that market seems to have faded maybe it's because i don't live in newcastle anymore but i think um a lot of those brands, some of them are still doing well. Like Six Silk, still still doing really really well. Mm, I want to get the founder on here. They're all they're all wholesale though, most of them. Yeah, I know really. I know the head. I used 
How did I know? I met someone who was aunties, was married to the head buyer. Or someone told me Six Hill was doing like 200 mil. Yeah, they're oh, massive. I've forgotten who told me that. It could be Cap. I don't know. No comment. But that's what they said. But they were obviously massive. Like, but I remember when I was like 16 or maybe younger, 14. They were huge. About 10 years, yeah. Everyone in England wore it. But they, mm. they were quite clever because I didn't found Aren't they market. massive in Spain or something? Yeah, they were. I don't. I don't know about anymore. But like a couple of years ago, they were massive in Spain, and then and then they've just they've been quite good at just going to different markets. Still like do loads in Zalando, which is a massive uh, European like retailer, basically yeah. ASOS. Um, but yeah, so some of those brands are still doing all right. Um, I know like Couture Club still doing really good. Um, but I think when I first started, I didn't want to go down that route because so many brands at the time it was flooded with that type of brand. Mm. And we wanted it to be a bit more like, smarter looking, like really focused on like the, on the fabrics and stuff. So. I definitely look at all like the designer brands and we want to try and get to a point where we're giving that designer luxury like experience but an affordable price point. Are you wearing Mobe? This is, yeah. yeah. I think that's that's Good. similar to what they're trying to build it represent. New summer, new summer, new summer yeah. collection. A little insight, yeah. <laughs> a little preview. I think that's similar to what they're trying to build it represent. Yeah. Obviously their mission isn't that kind of high quality. It's the high quality fabrics at like yeah. a cheaper price but they're obviously to cater into a there's probably some overlap, but still a pretty different demo. Do you think MDB are a competitor? I would. I'd, obviously, they've been going a lot longer. Mm. Uh, I'd, I'd, I don't. I'm not really sure actually because actually. I just read all the funny like Twitter beef around like Reese and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's quite quite a polarizing character. I know. Yeah. I, well, I think when you look at actually his products, I think he's going a lot more streetwear actually now. Whereas actually, where if you look at ours, we're we're a bit more um, smarter smarter product. Um, he like they do lots of like graphic tees and stuff. We, we don't we don't really do anything like that. Um, but I definitely, obviously, he's done done really well. He's obviously much bigger than us, but he's been going for for a number of more years than us. So obviously, we we want to get to that point in our business. Uh, definitely, lots of good things he is doing, and I do think he's probably doing something similar in the sense that he's been looking, he's been in all the shops in Selfridges and stuff, and looked at um, some of the big brands and. Like if you look at Isimiaki, for example, his his, his collection looks basically the same as that. So, mm. is yeah, I think he's again finding stuff from designer brands and seeing how he can make it a more affordable price. Um, we definitely our customer, our customer. I think what we notice is that our customer like wants to be successful. They they're wearing the designer like trainers, designer bags, and they, but they but like, if you go into Gucci or Louis Vuitton, like an outfit is going to be a grand, and people can't afford that to wear it once and then not wear it again. So. They could wear something with nice fabrics from us. It's a lot cheaper, um, but they could still get that designer look because they've still got their nice trainers on and nice bag and stuff. So it's just creating looks for people where they can mix and match with some of the designer brands, really. Yeah, I think you've definitely got a unique look, especially those like twin sets and a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff you bring out, I think you don't see. There's a lot of fashion brands. I think I was speaking to maybe Adam Reed about this again. There's so many fashion brands that you just. You see him come across your Instagram feed. It's just like another graphic T-shirt. It's another yeah. hoodie with a tiny logo mm. on. It's like there's a, there must be like yeah. three hundred of them now that are just like basically a represent but a different logo, yeah, a different yeah, so graphic. True. Yeah. It's like you need to own your own vertical or like carve your own like look and resonate. Do you think it's even possible to be unique in fashion? Because no. I've seen like beef on Twitter. You know, brands say you stole my fucking design. And I'm like, how can you can't trademark a an embroidered T-shirt? No, I don't think so. I Can think you? I mean, I don't know the market, but it just seems ludicrous, some no, of these. Yeah, I think everyone is getting inspired by certain things and that they might change things. And, but mm. it's all, especially like everyone's looking at the catwalks, everyone's looking at what's in, mm. in the shops from designer brands and people are making iterations of that for their own brand. Um, 
Stretch and also there could be times where people have very similar products, uh, like maybe Move or and another brand might have something similar. But it's not because they've copied each other. They've looked at a, they've looked at the same reference. Yeah, and they've come down two different paths and yeah. ended at like some just ended at a similar point. Yeah, like I, be, I do yeah. remember when I w- one of our first collections uh, in ASOS uh, in like two thousand and nineteen. It was a polo that I designed like four months before, and then it was M- MDV basically brought out the same polo, but before us. But it's just again because we probably looked at the same thing. Yeah. So it's just that kind of thing happens. It's like um, music, isn't it? Like music distills from mm. usually comes from the same yeah. People end up with similar sounds from the yeah. same influences. Like yeah. but I think I think you can get uniqueness in clothing, but most of it now comes from like angle community. Yeah. Or like resonance with certain audience. Like Cuts Clothing have done it really well. Yeah. You follow them. Yeah, like they've yeah. d- they're they like yeah, what they're making is not that unique, but they've angled it in a really like specific yeah, I mean, they're basically plain T-shirts, really. Yeah, isn't it? but selling them for £120 a pop. What's that other one? Um, yeah. True Classic Tees. True Classic Tees. I was at some Wayflower event the other day. They're saying they're doing like 400 mil. Yeah. They're just yeah, like, like, wow. There's then there's the smaller brands, one that I follow called Sporty and Rich. Like that's yeah, just yeah. like yeah, yeah. That, that aesthetic that, is so like she's yeah, just relevant made, right now. Yeah, she's just, uh, Emily Oberg used to, she used to work for New Balance, I think, or something like that. Maybe may, maybe Emily on door. I do like that yeah. aesthetic. I like Amy Undor. Like they're yeah. they're a brand that? that I like. Really like the way. Oh, is they it a brand? Yeah. Was a person. Yeah. They're a brand. <laughs> <It's> a brand. <laughs> no, they've they've done well. They're they're like the brand. Like some of the stuff they put, like storytelling, is pretty good, isn't it? But even yeah. even them, the guy who used to be creative director of them left and went to New Balance. And now, if you look at New Balance now and how Amy Undor, they're so much closer together. Oh, really? So that's like a really top level example. Like you'll look at the designs and then distill down yeah. to what you want to make. They'll just take their staff. Yeah, yeah. And then he brings their influence over. Yeah. And then they pull it that that comes through their products and like they've they've definitely become closer to that brand since he's joined, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's interesting, but yeah, so everyone everyone's kind of getting inspired by certain people. We would tell you, we see I see a lot of people on Instagram like running ads that they've like cop- they've ripped off our like ad copy and got very similar product and stuff like that. That's why this year I think we want to try and elevate things a bit more and just make everything we do look look better and whereas in the past we've used content creators and had it as, as images on a website for all of that it's just because the barrier to entry is so low for other brands to do that we want to try and get away from doing things like that this year and I think that's the way we can step away from any brands that might look similar to us at the minute that's a good idea are you like 70% America right now then is, 60, is this a myth 65% is that just because it worked better from the start it's just well yeah we ran ads uh, had some some like content creators that just resonated with that audience and just yeah just, just kind of built on that i think i remember one that what we put up i put one ad live with one guy that was just just chopped and changed like kind of used a review video and had like some b-roll on it and stuff on facebook a couple of years ago used him and then i think i woke up to like like 15 grand in sales or something from that one and i was like fuck this is nice. pretty good um, and then just i just basically squeezed squeezed the life out of that person for like two years um running ads but then he's i think he's he's uh got an exclusive contract with i think boohoo now or something and, he's, and they've written in there don't work with move so that's ruthless <laughs> Fa- fashion's so ruthless as an industry as well compared to others Cause it's, it's probably one of the biggest in it like in terms of sell-through mm. rate but it's like yeah. so ruthless yeah um yeah like i, th- I think Honestly, I, I mean, I just thought, I looked at the supplement industry and was like, mu- mushrooms aside, every brand looks the fucking same. Yeah, yeah. You I'm can like, stand out just by being Maybe creative. that's because it's relatively early. I don't know. 
I also think it's. But I was like, literally every brand is black, brown, or white. Because I think it's because it comes from like a scientific background. Yeah. Like you start as supplements when you go yeah. right to the top. Mm. Starts with like. There'll be twenty fucking pink pa- gradient packaging soon, but yeah. I did it first. I saw that one you. <laughs> the blue one. I couldn't believe that. I thought that looked like a, if someone was in year three and they had to rip off the brand, that would be the result. But why would they send you the deck? They should be trying to keep it. No, they didn't send me it. Someone right. that I know forwarded oh, it to me because it's been sent to them. It's just kind of funny. They'll probably end up raising more money than I did. If, um, so you, you obviously you do UK, US. We're, we're launching Tev in US tomorrow, pretty much. We're just UK at the moment because yeah. it was a faff. Cause yeah, I'm launch US. Are you, you're not US, you're UK. Have you done Europe yet? Yeah. Just started Europe. You'll you'll smash Europe if you launch in Europe. What, why is it so bad? cheap? Is it? It's like if you go like Germany's our second biggest country. We've never run out there. Yeah, the really? way the way I think of the markets is like US is like forefront of ecom, mm. and Canada kind of similar. UK is like a year to two years behind. Yeah, and then I'd say you you Europe is like Germany and Northern Europe is probably another year behind the UK. Right. And then the I rest of, agree. The rest of it's probably like another year behind that. So it's just like CPMs are cheaper. Yeah. Like it's it's just like taking Facebook back a couple of years in terms of cost and like yeah. I think you'd cr- smash Germany, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, Austria, yeah. Netherlands. The question for me though is like, at what point is it worth localizing the whole website into German? Say, do you know what I mean? I'd just get proof of concept yeah. and see where you're at. Like we, we'll we'll probably we're gonna do it with Tev like straight away just because we're working mm. in such volume. That I think I mean, it'll it's just definitely work. easier in theory to do a million in fifteen different countries than fifteen in one. Say. It is from on paper. It's a finance perspective, yeah. But like on paper, yeah, it is. It, 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 I just think Europe's undersaturated. I think Australia. You'd probably do. You did a bit of Australia, didn't Done you? A bit, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're, oh, we're trying to. Well, we're working with globally for Europe because we don't have iOS set up. I spoke to globally before. Mm. Yeah, but to be fair, we've got a pretty good deal with them. Where actually, when you take in consideration what we would be paying for transaction fees and stuff, it's really not much of a difference. What we're going to be paying. What do they we actually do? Them down. Yeah, got so they're ruthless. Down, yeah. They're ruthless when you first start. I think we dangle the carrot. They could get a US if they give us a really good rate. So, nice. uh, yeah, um, they uh, they basically they they go onto your onto your site um, like as a plugin, um, and it means that the checkout will be localized for Europe. So, like for example, Germany, it'll be uh, have all the local payment options. Can't you just do that with Shopify payments. You can with markets now, sort of. Yeah. It's not, not quite as good. As good. They don't have all the different payment options on there. Mm. Also, like ideal and shit. Yeah, also to to sell into Europe um, and not piss a customer off with loads of un- uh, hidden taxes and duties, you need to be set up with iOSS, which is basically... Oh, I've already done that. Have you not no, done this before? I didn't do it, no. <laughs> no, nah, I didn't do it. Wait, so do, do you have a European fulfillment centre or no? I didn't sell into Europe. Sell oh, into at all? Europe. No. Into it. Fuck. Actually, we just why? left it. I don't know, really. I th- I will focus on UK, US. I wanted to do things, set things up properly. Didn't go down the way of assess mm. route, and then globally came around. We thought actually, let's just give it to globally and see if gets a bit of proof of concept there. But yeah, what's good is they they also reckon they can increase conversion rate because something happens on the checkout when it's um, like cross border, where actually they can like payment options or credit cards can like fail your payment or something because they think it's fraud and mm. stuff like that whereas they have lots of more different data points something so actually you might you can uplift conversion rate apparently so they say um and a couple of our clients used them a lot of them jumped on really quickly after brexit yeah have they, are they had any good 
success of it? Or quite a lot of them. Well, a lot of them just did it because they had to. Like straight after Brexit, it was just yeah. so complex, and they yeah. weren't far. They didn't have enough money to invest into like finding out the best solution. That they just had to jump on it. Otherwise, yeah. they would have lost like a significant amount of the sales. Yeah, and it did work. It works. I, d- I haven't been close enough to them yeah. to know whether it's significant or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, we d- we can do that for Europe. So yeah, we've. N- it's annoying, but what we did have, we had, I had, a f- we were, I was running ads into Europe a little bit, like a couple of years ago, and saw a little bit of success, but just, yeah, we don't do any ads into Europe at the minute, so I think that's a massive untapped opportunity. Yeah, because we were just shipping worldwide from the start, which is, I've always done it, it's probably retarded, but only running ads in the UK, but then we were getting quite a lot in Europe, like 30% of revenue without running ads. That's how they find but it. But all the shipping was fucked, but now I've got a European warehouse, so yeah. the shipping's fine, and obviously the, the reviews are way better, so we just started doing ads. And how do you... But we haven't localised the website or anything yet, so it's a bit like one Don't step at a time. Don't localise it yet. Mm. Yeah. No. But I think uh, Germany and Netherlands could be solid. We're doing Germany, Amazon. You just localise a landing page, short. Like, just, yeah. just pay someone 50 quid to translate all the trans... And just Same rip it. Yeah. Just localise one landing page straight to checkout, and then that's, like, easy proof concepts. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Then isolate the landing page so it doesn't link to any of the rest of your website. Other than, like, yeah. FAQs and shipping. We just installed a lot of things. This is a free plug for an app. There's an app called Wonderman. Have you seen that? Yes. What is that about? I was on the landing page of a day. It basically moves all of your shipping. So usually if you send shipping notifications, obviously it redirects them to DPS's website or DPD. DPS, DPD. Then you track it. It moves all the tracking into your site. So then you have that whole landing page. It'll like, allow you put like it'll have track your parcel. You enter it, and then the widget comes up on Move's site. Oh really? Then the benefit of that is you can up. You can obviously have FAQs there uh, underneath it. You can have like you can sell, and then also you so int- you move all of the you move all of the shipping emails into Clavio. So then you can sell in the shipping emails as well. You have to get the shipping emails approved by Clavio. Right. I just think it's a much better experience, and it's thirty nine dollars a month at the moment. Yeah, I, I think it's just a good brand. We have literally we haven't rolled it out across any clients because I'm just testing it on Tev first. Was it Wonder Wonder Man? Wonderment. I'll send you it. I'll send you it. I'll put it on the list. Send you it. Just I think it gives a real more of like a big brand feeling if you've got yeah. that internalized into your website. That's probably like just makes them think that they're like even bigger than you are. Can you like up, have like upsells and stuff on there? Yeah, well? so we've got like what the way we've got it set up. I'll send you the tra- they'll send you the thing. Um, yeah. It's like the track. Then underneath we ha- we have a push to our ambassador program yeah. is like the thing. We have the, sorry, we have the tracking and the FAQs so minimize tickets because customer service is like long. Yeah, yeah. So like our order volume at the moment it's like we need to minimize tickets because it just gets to be a nightmare. Um, what causes the tickets? Do you think? Is it slow just like s- no, we're doing like th- we're doing like two thousand orders a day ish for yeah. Tev, which is a lot of all. Vol- obviously, that's a lot of volume because it's a low ticket. Well, not this mid ticket, like yeah. lowish mid ticket. So for that, it's like a lot of them is just like silly questions that could be F- those FAQs. Like I just got the CX team to do like yeah. a report for sixty days send me the most answered questions then if it's like right below that tracking it's hard for them to miss it and so just less tickets less people less mm. time yeah um is is that um is that brand the same one that people like um i've seen loads of people on instagram like say oh, i've got this fragrance and stuff like it's the same as like, yeah it's brand. just inspired by fragrances yeah is so it it's the like, same company or is it like was it another thing like it's almost like a bit of a 
it loads people up I know is keep putting it on their stories like I've, I've got this this uh, thing uh, could be there's a couple of competitors that were definitely the biggest in the UK right. there's a really big one in the US called Dossier D-O-S-S-I-E-R but we've not launched the US yet we're just right. doing UK um, there's one called Noted Aromas where oh. and ours is the essence for well Co- obviously Connors but then I joined to yeah. grow that and then the other brands um, and it's yeah it's just it's yeah, they, they are pretty. Not this is a sales pitch. If he's going to put this in, but it's they are pretty identical. Yeah, like and most like until I got involved, I didn't know that most of your fragrances are like ninety percent just ethanol, which is like oh really ninety seven percent of it is just alcohol, which costs fucking nothing. That's mad. So they're making. Can you imagine knowing the margins that we make off the product at our price? The margins that they make off stuff like. Dior fragrance at two hundred pound a bottle is because you guys kind of is it is similar to yeah the, the designer ones like, would, would you, are you are you did you get in trouble for that or like TikTok tried to take us down oh, yeah. two weeks ago tried to ban us and I complained and sent them like some documentation and they changed their policy in response really? to our email like, I was just like read this and they like, come back to me and they changed the policy so it's like yeah allowed to to make it okay yeah you, just just you can't Connor Martin is the richest man on Twitter he's not the fact. <laughs> Honestly, genius. So you, yeah, you can copy. Like we never mention like some of the competitors. Like you go on Dossier's website, biggest in the US, it'll just say like Tom Ford below it, which that's that's fucking dangerous. Like yeah, yeah. slapping another brand's name on a product to sell it is just just like a no go. So we that's don't do thinking, any yeah. of that. Right. We just we just say inspired by Aventus, for example, which is bestseller. Yeah, just but is it even saying that inspired by the actual. Cap- that's I've not thought copyrighted. That. Not copyright. You can't copyright. You can't. Uh, maybe you can copyright mm. Dream Dust, but I don't think you will be able to. Well, someone maybe sent me on that. I'm going to fucking regret saying this. Someone, <laughs> the day I launched Great it, story. someone it sent me this that. massive American brand that has a product called said name. You won't be able to copyright that. Surely. That's what I thought. I don't really know. Having said about that, them. I trademarked Rainbow Dust in the UK and America. Oh, really? I don't know. I've just well, cost myself a lawsuit. We've got a big insurance policy. <laughs> We haven't got into it. Doesn't sell as well as Rainbow Dust anyway, and, and people are saying they don't like the taste. So I'm thinking I've flopped it. Whatever. Really? I've not I'm, tried it yet. I genuinely use it every day. Really? But the thing with taste, right? I've noticed this. You can't please everyone. No, you can't. Some people, loads, loads of people said Rainbow Dust was too sweet, so I changed it, and made it less sweet. Then everyone said it's too bitter. <laughs> it's like fucking. That's just subjectivity, isn't it? Like, yeah, it applies to everything. I think the keys for supplements is is like. That it works, yeah, and all, not it, not even that it works over a long time frame. It's like giving someone a perceived benefit as fast as possible, so like they f- instantly think they've got a benefit. I do genuinely think Rainbow Dust is actually a lot better than I ever thought it would be. Yeah, like, yeah I only have one qualm with it, and that's because I just need one of those stirrers that you're not yeah, well, not they're dropping next week. No, yeah, yeah. frothers problem solved. Would you do a bar? A bar? Yeah, the bar be brilliant. Like the grenade, you know, like a yeah. grenade bar. I've looked into it. And Does that just, work? Is it stuff like that? It's one step at a time, and it and that's it's like the cans, but the cans are more. You could do content with them, worst case, and you can you can start as little as ten thousand cans. It's fucking expensive, but that's what I'm doing. Mm. Um, but a, a bar, it's just a bit risky. Yeah. Although I did have this idea of doing like a Willy Wonka bar, <laughs> and pretending it's got real magic mushrooms in it, and literally selling it as magic mushroom bar, even though there's nothing in it. So no one can tell me off of that. Just like viral spec, and put a golden idea. ticket in one out of every thousand bars, and if you win it, you win a DeLorean or some shit. That's a good idea. Would you play Willy Wonka in the video? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a good idea. I just get weirder and weirder. You can be your uncle lumpers, mate. Oh, yeah. Well, I need to take some real shit if I can play Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, Christ. I think it would be good because I'm always on the go. Like, I run into the garage by Grenade Bar. By I'm addicted to Grenade Oreo. Yeah. That new one they dropped. I've never had that one, but. It's insane. Yeah. I say yeah. addicted. I'm like three a week, but. Yeah. I would pay good money for that. Yeah. So I definitely, yeah. So I think it'd be a good, good thing. Yeah, the the thing with products is there's so many things you could do. Yeah. I'm just trying to keep it simple because I've not kept it simple in the past and it yeah. went wrong. Yeah. So powders are so versatile. Margin's the best by far. Shipping's way better because you're just shipping the pure product, whereas obviously like liquid and shit, it's way heavier. See, cans been a pretty good route into retail as well with how they look. Yeah, I'm, cans is definitely strategic. Yeah. Do you have a? Um, then I've got gummy coming as well. Gummy, nice. But that's more like. Just a cheaper price point upsell and a product. He does. It doesn't actually work that well. It's, what is your sell by day? Is it lengthy? It's pretty lengthy. Two years. Uh. Oh, so it's not too bad then. It's not like some things that can be like a couple of months or whatever. Yeah, no, fuck that. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Do you need any, any like food licenses or anything like that? <laughs> Hopefully not. Loads <laughs> of shit. It's funny because I, I got invited on some, I had like an interview by the Evening Standard or some bullshit the, the other week. I don't know, I haven't posted it yet. So if you haven't posted it, it's not bullshit. But you know what I mean? And he asked me loads of complicated questions and I just didn't know the answers. Like customers would know more than me oh, really? in many ways. But the, when you don't know something, the best the best answer is just to be honest and say you don't know it. But I just took the piss out of myself and was like, it's not my strong point. <laughs> When's so, that coming out? I wonder what headline I don't know. I'll run with. <laughs> yeah, clueless, entrepreneurial idiot launches mushroom brand poisoning 10,000 children or something. Is that why is insurance as well? Like if anyone, if yeah, I've got like a ten million pound insurance policy. Yeah, what in case they take something and then something yeah, happens. yeah. I mean, it's like a grand a month. It's not like expensive, but I didn't have that in the past. Right. Whereas if someone says they had a heart attack because of rainbow dust, we've had to get that for Tev. Like apparently, shipping mm. hundred mils of perfume is classed as a bomb in the oh, US. Really? So you have to manually sign off every single order individually. How fucking long is that? No way. So long. Not our problem, but. So many tick boxes for stuff like that. It's probably, you don't have to, food standards in the US um, just don't really exist <laughs> compared to I the did UK. get a trading standards case about fucking five months ago because they, they claimed that some customer had said we were selling actual psilocybin and I just spoke to them and said that it. is utterly ridiculous and they fucked off. But yeah, yeah it is something to be aware of. And then the ASA me a thing because we were running an early tiktok ad that mentioned psychedelics obviously i've stopped speaking about psychedelics at all which is really annoying because that's where i want to go with it but what do they what do they say they said you can't run this oh, really? it's illegal fuck you oh really and i stopped running it it wasn't doing anything anyway it was just one part of the creative mentioned psychedelics and microdosing some of your landing pages were pretty loose early days though i remember <laughs> trying to get tiktok to yeah jump. Trying to get him on Basically, we just TikTok. had to get it rid of it. Like, yeah. It was just like when it was like, <laughs> just some of the claims were just like the boldest claims they've ever heard in their life, but it was funny. Anti cancer. Yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah. It's quite I actually funny. paid a consultant to look at all that shit and I learned a lot. You can get in some so. real trouble for making claims that aren't, aren't like yeah. proven, can't you? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. So now I'll just get everything looked at before I put it up and I just yeah. know what I can and can't say. Yeah. You can also bend the like. You can be pretty loose. Most brands are breaking the rules. Yeah, oh, really, yeah. but you just you're not going to get done for it. You just get a slap on the wrist. That's the advice I've had. Oh really? But it's better not to. I mean, especially at this scale. If you're doing a hundred mil, it's probably different. But yeah. I'm not. 
Interesting. So yeah, it's fucking. It's a whole new world. How, how many? How do you have employees now? How how does it work? It's how. how yeah, I got a team of six now. I'm trying to. None of them are actual PAY employees technically, and half of them are outside the UK. Right. So, well, six including me, core team. But then obviously we lean on a lot of agencies. So, how do you find having people outside of the UK? Well, it's not ideal, and I'm working out how to change that over time. Yeah, I asked team structure. What's your team structures? Obviously, mine's I'm actually, I've learned from you. I'm actually getting better at this shit now. Yeah, it's the most important thing about growing a business, to be honest. But then I'll point. tell you who I'm trying to hire. I mean, currently, it's me. Then I've got Florian, who's full-time, who does operations broadly, which right now includes customer service, stock management, everything warehouse, everything warehouse, um, website backend, like all that shit. Lucy was in fucking Hong Kong, but is amazing. I just wish she wasn't in Hong Kong. She manages all the paid content shit. Just that whole system and the, and the pod, but the pod's separate. Then Brad, who doesn't do enough because he's fucking got other clients and it upsets me, but he makes the movies and does all the cool brand shit. And I recently hired Zara, who's doing all the organic shit and influencers. It's very broad. I feel like at this stage, every person that is in the business is doing a lot of stuff. You ain't getting a fucking yeah, like specific so. job title. Then that's who else? Good. Simon is the FD, but it's like two days a month. Um, so yeah, that's six. But then there's loads of agencies, Amazon agency. Fucking PR agency, that was a scam. Not doing that again. Affiliate network agency, that's actually quite good. It's like doing A win and shit. Is that what does that work? work for his yeah, but it's just it? it's, the, it's like profitable, but the scale is so small, but it's just a long term thing. Then obviously AKM running the ads, sorry. Um sorry, I'll get over it. But I'm now trying to hire an M D basically. Which I thought was too soon, but then loads of people came to me and I started just speaking to them. Then I was like, Hold on, if they're actually as good as they're saying they are, it would change my entire life. Well, who, where are they coming from? I think the key to that hierarchy is you don't want... Well, one of them's coming from, from yeah, one yeah. person, potentially from this one, yeah. You want someone... I can speak to you about that after. Uh, you want someone who, like, comes from... You don't want someone coming from a fat business where they've just had to do, like, very, like, top-level shit. You no, want someone who's going to be... Who wants to be in the weeds far enough so that they can... And someone that understands detail. Two of the yeah. five I've spoken to so far, and I'm speaking to a few more. And most of them came to me organically. Some of them have come from a recruiter, but then I don't want to work with a recruiter because then they charge me a 40 grand fee. Yeah. So I'm just kind of learning by speaking to other candidates. But Your um, next stage is going to be making them all sync together. Well, yeah, so the two of them... Between all of those team members, making more efficient. Joined a business pre-million revenue, yeah. and they're all, they're all the way to a multi-eight-figure exit. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, on paper, the sort of person you want. But then some of them I've spoke to... So one of them was the ex-COO of Sneak Energy, which I probably shouldn't say, but Not they, they sold to private equity after like four years. I don't, but he was very, it seems like operations only, whereas this other guy is like operations, but growth first, which I think company. has to be the case. Yeah. Mm. And then there's a I've few others if he's watching. connection to that, so, yeah. I know you do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the founder. So yeah, I mean, if they're as good as they say they are, like the salary is not even that much when you get it down, and like obviously they'd want equity vested over four years probably with a one year cliff, all that shit. Protect yeah. yourself. It's cheaper than a fucking agency in a way. Yeah, it is. By the time you actually do the maths on it, it's not that expensive to pay someone like seventy five. Well, it is in the grand scheme of things. It'd be a bit more than that, but yeah, hundred or something like that, or not. Yeah, about that. I mean, yeah. it depends who it is. But Break that down into around that. So it's not that, that like a hundred k a month. Broken down a month, like eight and a half grand. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's really not that much. Think about how much you spend on other stuff that isn't yeah. moving the needle. So yeah, that's true. 
because I just don't want to be in charge of shit. I mean, ultimately, I still would be, but I'm way better spent just on products and brand broadly. Yeah, put yourself in the right seat and hire people who are better than you and mm. leave them alone. Mm. Yeah, and I think I'm at the stage where it actually would make sense. So you're like you and then one layer. That person will probably be the bridge between you and that second that layer of people. Where where are you at? Like, do you have? Because we have more. We've just started to move into like next tier of organizational structure. So we've gone from like me and Joe, COO mm. team. Mm. We're now going me and Joe, COO, head of paid, head of before, head of performance, head of ops, head of retention, mm. head of sales, and then team. Where are you at? Where's your stage? I think this year we're we're trying to build that thing in where there's there's layers mm-hmm. uh, at the minute because i think especially with fashion where you've got lots of different parts like you've got yeah you've got products you've got like buy-in merch then you've got a like customer service um what else like it, it's I've, I've been hiring it's like there's only been one person in that like team but like just horizontal started, yeah. yeah but just started to th- like now that we've got like a customer service manager then we've got someone below him we've also got Obviously, Rosie and merchandise. Then we've got merchandise and assistant below. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I think yeah, it's just this year uh, trying to put something better in place. We've got some. I've started bringing a couple of people like Charlie and stuff who are a bit more senior. Who I want to. Yeah, he's to really good. He's yeah. switched on. He's a great guy. Yeah, so there's a couple of people there that I can kind of have as like people below me to start with, and then have people below them. Are they all PAYE employees rather yeah. than like freelancers yeah. and contractors? They're all PAYE, yeah. I want to build the team. I want to build the foundation properly. Um, mm. Obviously, we do have some like ain't seen stuff like obviously work with Ollie and that. Yeah, but yeah. majority is, and we we do have this uh, consultant that also kind of slots in and helps with the with the team a little bit. And there is that we're we don't have staff in so like CRM. Obviously, we've got uh, a, a company we use that basically come into the team and almost act like a bit of an like they're part of the team but aren't actually part of the team um we've just partnered with them properly have you yeah i met him who's that it's called the grove foundation yeah. it's a guy called oh, rich chapel rich i met chapel. him i got him based at 180 yeah i got intro to him through tiktok but then it was coincidence that you yeah. also worked with him yeah, yeah i've seen them on over linkedin what's the deal so he that? used to work for the hook group he, found, he founded Shark, yeah. yeah he founded but he founded the hook group well he didn't found but he was really early on in their ingenuity which is their like mm. agency f- they've got the hook group then they've got that which mm. is agency but then he started that, and it's basically an agency, but their model is like, we'll go in, we'll audit, and then we'll we'll sort in, and then they'll either, they'll pick up some functions, but then yeah. they'll try and hire themselves out. So mm-hmm. we're, we're partnering with them, because, yeah, just sort of on a few bits. Um, they are really, he's just really experienced. Mm. Also, when he goes into a business, he can, I think when you're going in on that basis, you can be a lot more candid. Like I'd really find it like if if I was too candid with some of our clients about some things that I think they should do, they'd probably tell me to fuck off. <laughs> Whereas I feel like if he goes in and tells them something, mm-hmm. they're probably going to listen to him or they're going to listen mm-hmm. to his team more. Mm-hmm. I, I'm only at odds in his mo- with his model in a few places. I think there's some things that brands just shouldn't have internally, fundamentally, just like wrong. what media buying. Yeah, I actually agree. Really, yeah. I think just because I think like if you think like. One person working on your brand or a guy working on five yeah, brands of exactly similar what. ilk or similar size or mm. similar performance. Obviously, I'm going to say this, um, but I'm going to counteract that and, and say, like, we do email in-house, but I actually think most brands should do email in-house. Yeah, yeah. We do it, sorry, we do it for brands, but I think beyond a certain size, mm. owning your, like, yeah, I'm starting to think that CRM internally is probably yeah. a good idea because you, you know your customer more than we're ever going to know. Yeah, 
sure. and you can go way more in depth. Yeah. But I think like having a media buyer who's spending 300k a month on four clients rather than just on you is a net beneficial thing. It's just it is more expensive though because of the way that it's yeah formatted. But then the person you've brought in brings more than I, I can tell he's very experienced. So like he's we good, isn't he? yeah. yeah he's really good and he brings more than just the media buying. Like yeah. he's more T shaped. Like he knows he's very much like T shaped. That's when you know a lot. I think do you know and what maybe I think deep on one thing. I wanted to bring him him uh, because I wanted someone who. Like some of the some of the like the reporting and stuff he set up is just well moving forward is going to really help us uh, and just having someone who is in the team who can like even like pick up with henna and stuff with like influence it's like and stuff full yeah brings everything a bit more full circle. Does anyone have equity? No, apart from me. Would you ever consider that? Like over the long term? N- no. Probably not at your so. stage. No. I don't. I don't really. I feel like for me. I, only only time I would release equity is if I could kind of take a bit of skin out of the game myself rather mm. than bring in someone to invest money. I'd, I'd, I'd want to obviously have uh, being 100% owner of a business and, and at, my, at, our, at our stage it's still very risky. Like you could go under like tomorrow and then not be left with much really. Like you want to be able to secure your future a little bit, don't you? So I think that's the only thing I, I would do. Um, but I no, I don't really think so. I, I just want to keep it running my running myself really. Um, yeah. That's fair. Um, but yeah, going back to the to the structure, um, yeah, we would. We I think we're getting to the point this year where we will kind of start having more layers. But I, we we had a chat off convo and I said yeah off uh, um, camera and I think definitely one of the biggest struggles for me is is as well is similar to Matt in the sense that because so many people are reporting into me, I feel like. I'm not able to, to function in a, in, a, in a way that I yeah. want to be, if you know I, what I mean. I call it cognitive load. Like, it's such a thing. Yeah. Like, it's got all these phrases. It's, it's such a thing. Like, I've, I've had a bit. So, I had I used to have it, and our COO is going through the same process because he's got too many people reporting yeah. to him. So, I have to, I've been like, I was like, so you should do this. I think this is how I got him off it. Mm. I did it by just like removing, just telling people to go speak to other people. But, like, I got him for two weeks to order every single question he got asked in a document, then also mm. bucket them into ca- categories. And then I was like, right, what should not be coming to you? What's like mm. a process that we can build so it, it doesn't have to go to anybody? Mm. So we do like Friday delivery for all our fucking staff. And it was like, he was having to order it and he was having to get all these questions. I was like, why is that even happening? That must like, be quite yeah. expensive, that, every week. It's like, like 10 grand a month on delivery now. <laughs> <laughs> do the math, 60 like, times 30 like, times four. No, but not everybody gets, not everybody orders every week. Like I don't order, Joe don't order. It costs about four and 300 quid a week. So it's like, one oh, it's, not it's, not, it's not cheap, but it's like, it's good because he gets everybody in the office on a Friday, which is undervalued. Mm. Um, then audit is time. And then it's just like, because I think that is massive. Like having to think about less shit yeah. is so underrated. Like yeah. I, do, I think just not having, this comes like to stress and it also allows you, especially, it's probably more important for you two because you're even in more of a creative job. Mm. I think the more stuff you have in the plate, you're less creative you can be. Yeah. So that's I w- why I want to hire someone to run the damn thing so I can just fucking. Yeah, yeah. That's, mm. that's sit right. In like pink rooms you, and design you, shit. Your, your leverage comes from big ideas. Like, just fucking remove mm. yourself until you get to that point. Yeah. So but you'll have that issue with reporting and, like, just questions and, like, yeah. too much complexity that you can't even, like, start to have time to make sense of it. So it's almost pointless. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I've definitely started things that already, like, I've said to people, don't 
put a meeting in with me unless you ask me first. Because I've, I've started to find, we have used teams, I've started to find all of a sudden I've got like five meetings put in and I didn't agree to any of them. <laughs> it's like whacking like, your calendar. You're wasting my whole day. I'm like, I've not done anything, actually, I've not done anything to move the needle because I've been sat in a meeting that I didn't need to be in. What do you yeah. think moves the needle most? It's a good question. Um, I, th- I, th- what, in ter- I think... Like right now, to get to the next step, whatever you think that is, what do you think is the most needle-moving thing you can do? I, th- I think I, th- I need more of an influence on, on the content we're doing um, and then and then product as well. Yeah, I think on that bombshell. As always, subscribe to the pod. Episode 63. It's been a pleasure. We'll catch you in the next one. Yeah.